This is Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. On today's show, Brian chats with the Senior Vice President of Business Development for Boingo, Doug Lauder. Right now, the typical user might walk into an arena or a stadium with one device, maybe two devices. Uh, in the not-too-distant future, I expect that to be closer to four, five, seven devices. Wow. Uh, their watches will connect, their glasses will connect, their jeans might connect. Now, with Sports Business Radio, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. On our show, we've got Doug Lauder, the Senior Vice President of Business Development at Boingo. Boingo is the sponsor of the Sports Business Radio Road Show. We love doing those events, and we love our partnership with Boingo. Look forward to our conversation with Doug on today's show. I'm joined in studio by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, what's going on? I am excited. It's a good time of year to be uh, talking about sports, you know, Final Four. My team's in. You had a good back bracket, by the way. Thank you. I'm Very. glad you said it because I didn't want to self-brag <laughs> there. But in the sports business radio pool against some of our listeners and friends, uh, I am in the lead by 140 points yeah. right now. So I had Gonzaga and Oregon in the Final Four, and I tweeted that out. And my friend Rick Buecher, at Rick Buecher, Bleacher Report, and, and friend of ours, my partner on some different things, said, hey – you're in the Pacific Northwest, like you're, you're biased. Like he wasn't giving me any props for uh, <laughs> those two picks. But you know what's funny is, I'm not a duck or a beaver. I didn't go to Gonzaga. I went to Loyola Marymount in Los Angeles. So I'm not like a Pacific Northwest junkie. Right. And I just thought, you know, if you go back to our show a few weeks ago when we talked about who might win this thing, I said I think Gonzaga is like last year's Villanova, where they're finally gonna get. That label that they can't get to the final four off their back, and they have. And, you know, I don't know if they're going to win this thing, but they've got a pretty good chance. They've got a one in four chance, Griggs, to, uh, to get this thing done. They're going up against a tough South Carolina team. And isn't it funny? You know, it seems like every year there's a team in the tournament that gets hot at the right time. And that team has been South Carolina this year, a seven seed in their region. No one expected them to come out of that region. I certainly, I think I had them going out in the first round to Marquette. So, you know, what Frank Martin has done there has been really interesting. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I was reading some stats yesterday about South Carolina, and it's like, it was the long shot. I mean, nobody predicted this one. It was like, you, no one had the uh, them in the Final Four at all, so it'll be a good game. But I think, I think Gonzaga's probably got a really good chance, at least to get to the final game. I think Gonzaga will win that game against South Carolina, and then who knows between uh, North and the Ducks. And you have three coaches who have been great coaches for a long time, but they have never made it to the Final Four. So you've got Dana Altman in Oregon. You've got Mark Few at Gonzaga, who, by the way, third fastest ever to 500 wins behind Rupp and Jerry Tarkanian. So, you know, pretty darn good success at Gonzaga, but he had never made it to the Final Four. And then you've got Frank Martin. So they join Roy Williams, who seems to be in the Final Four all the time, whether it was with Kansas back in the day or now North Carolina. If you're... CBS, you're hoping, in my opinion, for a North Carolina-Gonzaga matchup. I don't think you want North Carolina-South Carolina. That's very regional. And I don't think you want Gonzaga-Oregon because that's very regional. So I think you want Gonzaga kind of the, you know, poster child for a mid-major, even though they've been a power for years now, against that huge blue blood program, North Carolina. That, to me, seems to be the best matchup TV-wise to engage the entire country. Do you agree? I do, and you got both sides of the country. You got the east side, you got the west right. and coming together. And you got, like you say, with Mark View, um, 
you know, kind of the, the team everybody's been rooting for in theory, you know, because it's like, oh, they finally get the, they have great seasons every year and then they just can't get to the final four and get to the final game. So I think you got a lot of people that are not necessarily bandwagon, but excited to see where Gonzaga is going to go. So should be fun. And I was going to mention too, how about UConn, the women's team? I mean, oh my gosh, they are unbelievable to watch. Well, I mean, you know, it, it makes me upset. Gina Oriyama has been on this show. And when people don't talk about the greatest coaches all time, and I'm not just talking women's basketball. I'm not just talking basketball. I am talking any sport all time. You put his numbers and his success. I mean, they're going for their 12th banner. And the dominance that they have had. I mean, people talk about Greg Popovich and the San Antonio Spurs and Coach K and Duke and, you know, Vince Lombardi. And you've got to put Gina Auriemma in that conversation. And I don't want to hear any garbage about, oh, it's women's sports. You know what? I don't care if you're coaching a high school team. I don't care if you're coaching an elementary school team. If you put up the type of numbers that he has put up for the period of time that he's done it, you've got to give mad respect to, to someone like that. So, yeah, their team again. And he had a press conference a few weeks ago, and he talked about what he looks for in a player. And one of the things that he mentioned was he wants the player sitting on the bench to be up and cheering for the players on the floor. And he said, if I see someone who's not engaged with their teammates and who's not supporting their teammates, I'm not recruiting that type of player, and they're never going to get off the bench. That was the soundbite that stuck with me. If you're on the bench for UConn and you don't think you're going to play, if you're not cheering and supporting your teammates who are on the floor, you've got no chance to ever get on the court. So he's got... Like the great coaches do, he's got certain rules and regulations, and he's created a culture there. And you're right. What they're doing is dominant because you see these teams that come in and everyone's like, oh, wow, they're playing really well. And then they go up against UConn and they just get blown out. So uh, looking pretty good for UConn to hang the the 12th banner. Um, another headline around the NCAA and really – to the state of North Carolina, lawmakers in North Carolina announced late Wednesday night they had reached an agreement to repeal a costly and highly criticized law that restricts which public restrooms transgender people can use. It's called the bathroom bill. That's the the name of the bill. Why is this important on this show? Because the NBA All-Star Game was taken out of Charlotte this year and moved last second to New Orleans. The NCAA has already pulled events from North Carolina. And lawmakers were given a Thursday deadline to change the law if they wanted to host any college sports championships through 2022. It's already cost the state of Carolina, Griggs, $3.7 billion. billion. So whatever your politics... You're losing sports events and entertainment events. You're losing $3.7 billion. Your state is getting negative publicity. So lawmakers repealed the law. And now ahead of this deadline, when the NCAA votes on where their upcoming championships through 22 are going to be, now you've got a clean slate, so to speak. And this also opens up the door for North Carolina to host the NBA All-Star Game again because Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, had said, if you repeal this law and get your house in order, so to speak, we will give serious consideration to bringing the NBA All-Star 
game back to Charlotte. Yeah, it's uh 3.7 billion. That's crazy. I hadn't heard those stats yet. That's uh that's nutty. I mean, you think one little one in in theory one little bill and then it turns into this huge thing and I mean it, it it's big news and like you said, I mean that's a big money maker NCAA coming there, NBA, and other championships. Uh it's a big it's a big money thing. I mean they had to do it I think to uh, to keep the state making money on sports side of things. Well, I remember, you know, I grew up in Arizona and I was just in Arizona. We'll talk about that in a minute, but you know, the MLK Day rule or holiday came out and Arizona was one of the last states to adopt or honor that day as a holiday. And it cost them billions of dollars. And that's, you know, 20, 25 years ago. So, again, I don't want to turn this into a political conversation, but the point is this. Now we live in a political climate. And if you have laws like a bathroom bill or you don't honor MLK Day in your state, it's going to have ramifications for you to attract events and business. And uh, interesting that North Carolina repealed that bill ahead of the NCAA's deadline this week. The big news of the week, Griggs, the Raiders, by a 31 to 1 vote, got approval to relocate to Las Vegas. This could come after the next season. It could be two years away. I tweeted out this week, Griggs, this is like if you get a divorce and you still got to live with your ex-spouse. The Raiders are going to be playing in Oakland next year unless some deal comes up and they go, you know what? We just can't play here. We're going to go play in San Antonio or we're going to go play somewhere else. They're going to be playing in front of fans who know they're a lame duck franchise. Uh, Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, has already said... If you're a Raiders fan, you have season tickets and you want a refund, I'll give that to you. I think there's going to be a lot of fans asking for refunds because they're going to go, well, you know, this is a short-term deal. I'm bitter that you're taking my team out of town. But there's a few different angles on this, Griggs. But let's start with the fact that the state of California, and I've pointed this out on the show so many times. Let's start with the San Francisco Giants back in the day, the Golden State Warriors, the Sacramento Kings, the Chargers, the Rams. If you live in California and you think that taxpayers or your stadium is going to be funded with public money, it's never going to happen. This is the latest example of that. Taxpayers will not pay for a new stadium in Oakland. If you've been to Oakland like I have and you've seen their facilities, they're amongst the worst in the NFL. It's also a multi-purpose stadium, Oakland Coliseum, because they host the A's. So... You've got another tenant there. Now the model is, in most venues, it's baseball only, it's football only. You're not splitting with different franchises. Let's listen to NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell this week when this announcement came out. As you know, we just finished uh, a very important discussion regarding the relocation proposal uh, by the Raiders, uh, which our owners uh, approved overwhelmingly. Um, You know that our goal is to have 32 stable franchises uh, for each of those teams and also the league. We work very hard and never want to see a relocation of a franchise. Uh, That means exhausting our options and doing everything we possibly can to get a solution in the existing market. As you know, there's been a stadium situation in Oakland that we felt needed to be addressed. I think even... Uh, Our friends in Oakland agree that it needed to be resolved for the long-term issue of the team and, frankly, the community. And this has been an issue uh, for well over a decade. Uh, We have a very rigorous 
uh, and discipline process. It's a difficult process, as it should be, uh, in a relocation. Our stadium committee and finance committee, which represent 18 owners, uh, worked tirelessly on this over the last nine months or so, um, just on uh, this relocation proposal. Um, we believe we and the Raiders have worked earnestly in Oakland uh, for over a decade to try to find that viable option in Oakland. Um, we needed to provide uh, certainty and stability for the Raiders as well as the league. As you know, the clubs also, uh, I think it was in 2015, uh, put off the decision for a relocation in hopes of trying to see if we could develop a, a solution in Oakland. We also, uh, the owners put an additional $100 million, unprecedented uh, $300 million total to try to find that solution in Oakland. So I know the ownership uh, feels they went the extra mile to try to find that solution in Oakland. I want to thank uh, the mayor. I just spoke to her briefly just to tell her that I appreciated her efforts. Uh, I'm certain that she's disappointed, as we all are. Uh, but I wanted to thank her for her efforts in trying to find a viable solution. I believe she worked tirelessly. Uh, she worked tirelessly, Ronnie Lott, Rodney Pete, and many others in the community to try to find a solution that we could all be proud of and all go forward uh, in a way that was uh, very positive for both the Raiders and the Oakland community. Uh, unfortunately, as you know, we didn't get that done, and we're all disappointed. Uh, we're particularly disappointed for the fans of the Oakland Raiders in Oakland. Uh, that This is something that I know will be seen with a great deal of disappointment by them. We understand that. Um, and we worked as tirelessly and as hard as we could to try to find that solution, and we just couldn't get that done. So that's NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell discussing the relocation of the Raiders to Las Vegas. 31 to 1 vote. Griggs, some stats. Each owner in the NFL will receive $53 million for doing nothing other than voting for the Rams, the Chargers, and the Raiders to relocate. Never forget this about sports owners, not just in the NFL, in any league. It is a fraternity, a brethren. You vote for me, I'll vote for you. You need something, you support me. When you need something, I'll support you. It is You'll scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. So 31 to 1, Mark Davis wanted this. The other owner said, sure. But if you're the NFL and you've had three franchises relocate in the last 18 months, Griggs, can you ever remember in the history of sports, a major sports league, and NFL is king, where three franchises in the span of 18 months have relocated? I don't care what league you are. I don't think it's good for your league. I totally agree because, uh, like you said, and we were listening to Roger there, um, how in the next year the Raiders are playing in Oakland as of now still. I mean, how's that good? I mean, the stadium's obviously going to be half full maybe because fans are going to start jumping ship and, you know, to getting the refund. So how's that good for, you know, TV? How's that good for the city? How's that good for the team? And that, you know, multiply that by all the teams that have moved. Same thing in, uh, in, uh, with the Rams too. It's just, uh, it's, it's crazy as you see the money and the fans kind of, start to, you know, depreciate and go away. Well, you're gutting fan bases, right? So yeah. Oakland has supported the Raiders for a long time. So, again, on this show, people always go, Hey, Burger, what's your solution? So here it is. And I've suggested this on the show before, and I even talked about it with David Stern when we were doing our road show with him in December in New York. 
These leagues make billions of dollars. The NFL is a $9 billion a year league. If the leagues played bank and gave a loan to the teams, these teams wouldn't have to relocate. But what the teams are doing and what the league is trying to help the team do is you hold your city hostage. The city has to pay for it. The owners don't want to privately finance it in most cases. This is one of them. And when they don't want to finance it, the league comes in as the heavy. All right, city of Oakland. All right, San Diego. All right, St. Louis. If you, the taxpayers in the city, don't pony up the money for your team, they're going to leave. It doesn't have to be that way. The NFL could say, you know what? We're going to set up a loan for you over 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. We're going to play bank because we're a $9 billion a year league and you're going to pay us back. So when you hear things like, oh, we offered $300 million for this solution, that's chump change. Okay. $300 million. These stadiums now are a billion dollars plus, sometimes two billion dollars. So 300 million, eh, when you're a nine billion dollar a year. So my point is this. I understand why these teams leave and I understand they want others to pay for their stadium. But if you're the NFL and you've had three teams relocate in the last 18 months, that is bad for your league. You're going from uh, a number six size media market, Oakland, to a number 40 size media mark, market in Las Vegas. I don't think it's great for the league. I know the players. I tweeted this out. I was just with Marquette King, our friend from the Oakland Raiders. There's no state income tax in Nevada. There's amongst the highest income taxes in the country in California. If you're a player playing for the Raiders, you're like, woohoo! I get to keep millions more because I'm playing in a state now where there's no state income tax versus California. So that's definitely something to take into consideration as well. Our last headline of the week, this was not good news for the NFL. And again, this has kind of been swept under the carpet, but I'm going to, I'm going to bring it up. And I've got friends in the NFL and I'm not trying to turn this into bash the NFL, but our friend Mark Fonruwada, who was very involved with the whole Barry Bonds, uh, Balco investigative reporting, wrote a really good piece this week. Remember, it was like two years ago, the NFL came out and said, we have a $1 billion NFL concussion settlement with 500 players, okay? And, you know, it was celebrated. We're giving back to these players. They're going to have this kind of insurance. They're going to have money now for their medical. Well, guess what? Mark Fonerwater wrote a piece this week and did something with Outside the Lines on ESPN. Nearly six years in the making and the NFL has yet to deliver a penny to former players and their families for brain injuries stemming from football. This has turned into a legal mess. These players are suffering. You know, I read about Tony Dorsett with CTE. Uh, Jim McMahon can barely see anymore. And you can't say this is all NFL related, right? I mean, a lot of these players have been playing since grade school. You're taking hits in grade school. You're taking hits in high school. You're taking hits in college. So you can't say it's solely the NFL's problem. But when you come out and you tout that we're making this payout to these 500 former players, and then we find out this week that six years later, the league hasn't delivered a penny. And again, Griggs, the problem for the NFL is when you're a $9 billion a year league, people go, they're flush with money, which they are. 
take care of your former players. You would think for no other reason they'd say, you know what, we just want this storyline to go away. So we're going to pay him out. So this isn't in the news all the time. What do you think, Greg? Am I being too hard on no, the NFL? No, I totally agree with you. That's just uh, that's staggering that they have that they've just completely basically ignored it. I mean, that is uh, it's so bad for again. I mean, NFL it takes another hit, and the headlines just keep looking bad for them. And here's another one. I mean, you've got foreign players you got to take care of. I mean, it's like vets. You got to take care of these guys. You know, they've played for you. They've they've worked for you. And here's a chance for you to, you know, make good with some of them and help some of them and, uh, and continue to be a strong organization and you just ignore it. I don't get it. Well, and, and the other thing too, like I have friends who are retired and in all the sports leagues. And one of the problems too is that these retired players associations, they don't do a good enough job, in my opinion, of communicating the resources that are available to the retired players. So like the NBA just redid their collective bargaining agreement. And as part of that, due to the efforts of Chris Paul and, Others, who's the president of the union, Michelle Roberts, former players are going to get better benefits. But I know former players and they're like, I don't know what those benefits are. You know, I'm not sure. Like, is that going to help my health insurance? Do I get a little bit more in my pension every month? Like, they need to do a better job of communicating. Hey, we just put this in the new collective bargaining agreement. Or in this case of the NFL, there's this settlement. You either haven't gotten paid or you did. But, you know, here's how you can make some noise. I just see that lack of communication there. All right, I just want to talk real briefly before we uh, talk to Doug Lauder from Boingo. I made a trip to Arizona this week, Griggs, and uh, pretty fun. I went down there with my daughter, and, and I'm from Arizona. But you know, we go to the Diamondbacks game at Salt River Field and saw the Diamondbacks and the Kansas City Royals spring training. I had never been to a game at Salt River Field. What a great little venue. Yeah, where is that? Is it... It's in Scottsdale. Okay. okay. So, uh, you know, there's Talking Stick Resort. Right. Okay. I know that it's place. It's across right. the freeway from that. Okay. And, you know, the Diamondbacks were kind enough to get me tickets. And I, you know, don't really ask, like, hey, where are my tickets or anything? And, and we get our tickets, and it's me and my daughter and my mom. And lo and behold, we're in the front row. Yeah, like, awesome. we, we're kicking our feet up on the backstop. <laughs> and something happened that I had never seen before at a baseball game. And I've seen a lot of baseball games. And I guess this is kind of the norm in spring training, but it wasn't the norm when I used to go to spring training games all the time. So we're sitting in the front row, and out comes the manager of the Diamondbacks, Tori Lovello, I think is his name, and his coaching staff. And right in front of us, not right in front of us, but to the side, the nets in front of us, they put folding chairs. They're sitting there, basically behind home plate without helmets on. (laughs) Watching the game. And I'm like, are these people nuts? (laughs) Because the ball was fouled back and, you know, it hit the net several times. They don't even flinch. Wow. And I'm like, these guys are are pretty seriously brave or stupid, one of the two. But it was funny. I saw the same folding chairs on the other side of the field for the Kansas City Royals managers. But they were in the dugout. They're they're like, (laughs) I'm not coming out. I get hit with a foul ball. And, again, they're not wearing helmets or anything. That's crazy. We were super close to the action. I mean, you're talking to the players as they're in the on-deck circle. That's cool, yeah. Spring training's a little more casual. Uh, you know, the manager's, like, putting up uh, little uh, bubble gum and sunflower seeds on the thing for, like, the kids <laughs> in this area if they want to have some bubble gum and, and some sunflower seeds with them, too. It was cool. It was a very – you know, I like spring training because it's, it's – I'm not going to say it's not competitive because it is, but it's much more relaxed. Yeah. And the team and the coaches and just everyone is more relaxed. And 
Uh, it's a great ballpark. That's cool. I had a, what was it, a Maui smoothie. Mm. Really good. And they have good food there at, uh, at Salt River Field. So. And sunshine. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, we live in Oregon. So being in 90 degrees, walking oh. around for the week in shorts yeah. and a t-shirt. So jealous. And tennis shoes. It was phenomenal. So I did that. Then the next day I actually did some, uh, work. I had meetings with some people from the Dimeback. So I went downtown to Chase Field. Nice. And they gave me a behind-the-scenes tour that you can see some pictures I posted on Twitter at SB Radio or on our Instagram account at Sports Business Radio. I was inside the Diamondbacks locker room. I got to go into the dugout. I saw their training facilities. It was really cool, and I appreciated them giving me a a behind-the-scenes tour of the ballpark. And then last but not least, I got together with our friend Marquette King, the punter for the Oakland Raiders. And he's great. And if you don't follow him on social media, I say this all the time, at Marquette King, at Marquette King on Twitter and Instagram. He is one of the best athletes I've seen at using social media. I mean, this week, right after I left, it was Derek Carr's birthday. He's the quarterback of the Oakland Raiders. And Marquette posted a video. I don't know if you've seen this, but he posted a video of he had this big, huge birthday cake and he punted the birthday cake. So he says, <laughs> hey, Derek, happy birthday. And then he punts the birthday cake and it explodes into a million pieces. Yeah. And I mean, he just does stuff like that. But he's got such a great personality. And uh, I really enjoy watching him on social media. But what a nice guy. And we had a great yeah. breakfast and talk and uh, sat outside in the sun in Arizona. It was It was a good deal. Plus, he's a great punter. I mean, the guy's got a leg. Like, can't oh my believe. gosh, he's like bionic. Those YouTube videos are crazy. Where yeah, he, if you, know. you haven't YouTubed Marquette <laughs> King's so video, so you know he went to a small college in Georgia. He went to this elite punters camp in college in Nebraska, and all these punters are there, and they're like, "Who's this guy?" And Marquette steps up and starts booming eighty-yard punts, yeah. and they're like, "What in the?" And then the Raiders <laughs> see this, and they're like, "Okay, that guy, we need to sign him right away." So they've signed him to a multi-year deal. Like yeah. they know, people can say, "Oh, punters, they're not important. Uh, field positions Especially really NFL. important in the NFL." Yeah. And this dude booms punts. Yeah. And the other thing about him too, like he's got videos that he's done. His accuracy, yeah. Like at the Pro Bowl, he was kicking from, I don't know, fifty, sixty yards away. He said he kicked it into a basketball hoop, like. From 50 to 60 yards away, kicked it into a basketball. Do you know how crazy accuracy you have to have? Yeah. So here's the other thing I'll I'll mention, too. This this was like my week of of really. So I have a friend that lives in Scottsdale, Desert Highlands, played golf. And he says, hey, come on over. Let's catch up. Uh, You know, meet me at the Desert Highlands Golf Club uh, bar. So I'm like, okay. So I drive over there. And he's like, oh, and I'm by the way, he's like, I'm with a few friends. So I go over there and I walk in and who's sitting there as one of his friends that he played golf with, but one of the 50 greatest NBA players of all time, the former coach of the Houston Rockets, Kevin McHale was there. So I sit there and have a chat with McHale for an hour. He has great Red Arbach, Larry Bird, Boston Celtic stories. We also talked about, you know, the state of the NBA. It was one of those conversations. I was like, man, this would be really great if we could put this on sports business radio. But it's, as I've said for many years, 
I get to have some great conversations with people, but a lot of what I talk about with them cannot be aired on yeah, the show, sure. unfortunately. So if we could ever do like a left on the cutting room floor <laughs> or behind the scenes episode of Sports Business Radio, oh boy, would that be juicy. Oh man, it would be juicy. It would be juicy. <laughs> the stuff I know that I can't talk about is crazy, but uh, it was really cool. And, you know, look, I grew up watching Lakers Celtics, Magic, for Bird, sure. yep. McHale, and to sit and talk with him for a while, and by the way, one of the nicest guys that you'll ever talk to, his wife was fantastic. So, you know, it's always nice when you see people from afar and they seem to have uh, a, a, a reputation of admiration. And then when you meet them, they live up to that. Yeah. You're like, okay, yeah, they really are cool. Because I've also had the other thing happen where, <laughs> yeah. oh, this person's great. And you go meet him and, and they're a complete jerk. And you're like, wow, that's disappointing. So, anyways... Great week in Phoenix. Enjoyed Marquette King. Enjoyed Kevin McHale. Enjoyed my time with the Diamondbacks. Coming up next, Doug Lauder, the Senior Vice President of Business Development at Boingo. They are our partner on the Sports Business Radio Roadshows. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. Sports Business Radio is sponsored by Boingo Wireless, the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. Research shows that fans will leave at halftime if they cannot get connected, which is part of the reason why professional and collegiate sports venues alike work with Boingo to manage their wireless networks. As the world's leading connectivity expert, Boingo knows how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. They are the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless service so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Boingo designs, installs, and manages Wi-Fi and cellular networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Soldier Field, Phillips Arena, and Vivint Smart Home Arena. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports, led by companies like Boingo. Boingo connects you to the people and things you love, like sports. For more information, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. Bringing you up to speed on the latest breakthroughs in the world of sports. Let's enter the technology lab. My guest is Doug Lauder. He is the Senior Vice President of Business Development for Boingo. Boingo is the leader in connectivity solutions for sports and entertainment venues. Boingo powers wireless networks for major league sports teams that range everything from the Chicago Bears and the Atlanta Hawks to NCAA stadiums like K-State and the University of Louisville. In a nutshell, Boingo makes your phones and other mobile devices work and not lose service so you can stay connected to the action. They are the sponsor of the Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Doug, welcome to Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me back, Brian. Yeah, always good to have you on. Uh, we had one of your clients on a few weeks ago uh, from Soldier Field. And, you know, it's always interesting to hear the work that you're doing at all of these different venues. Uh, how's everything been going for you? I know that your business is growing and, you know, this is something that's gained so much more importance to venues. Like you said, you know, it's it's every bit as important as having working toilets when you walk into an arena or stadium. I've always remembered that line from you that when you walk into uh, a facility now, people want connectivity. 
Yeah, it's, a, it's an expectation. There is no doubt about it. When you walk into a venue, you expect everything to just be there for you. Toilets, running water, food, beer. And when things aren't there, you get frustrated. Uh, it used to be a few years back, probably five, seven years ago, you'd walk in and if your service didn't work, you kind of got over it. Uh, but now you get a little upset, you get agitated. And so, you know, between companies like Boingo working with venues and partners and wireless carriers bringing these solutions to light, um, you know, it's now available at most uh, arenas and venues. And so uh, when it's not there, there's a frustration. And now that it is there, the teams are getting really wise about what they do with it and how they leverage it and how they get smarter and engage with their fans better. So we've kind of taken that step from, you know, it's just a utility to now it's an asset and, and now it's something the teams can leverage to drive engagement, drive loyalty, drive growth. Well, and I think that's such an important important point. And Lucas Sarah from Soldier Field really did a great job a few weeks ago on our show outlining if you're going to make this kind of investment, here's how you can monetize this. Because I think teams look at this and go, wow, that's a big expenditure and I need to do this for my fans. But ultimately, how do I monetize it? And I thought he did a great job of really outlining how you monetize the investment. Yeah, unlike toilets, which are very difficult to monetize. <laughs> That's um, true. You know, wireless networks can be a source of either passive income through advertising or even more strategic income where you think of it as kind of one set of data that you use coupled with other sets of data from ticketing, loyalty, CRM, and package it together to make smarter business decisions that drive more revenue for you. So I think as teams are getting wiser about how they use data and analytics, which is obviously a big topic in sports these days as well, to drive incremental growth, sell more tickets, be smarter about how they price tickets, who they sell tickets to, uh, who they sell to for season tickets and, and uh, seat licenses, et cetera, I think the wireless network becomes one more pane of glass that you can look through to see and gain insight into who's actually at the venue, who is engaging with your brand when they're at the venue, when they're not at the venue, and you know who are your loyal fans that you want to take care of. So we are in the thick of March Madness. How's your bracket looking? Uh, so I uh, did the loyalty thing this year, I stuck with Boingo Partner Schools for most of my bracket. I took a bunch of, <laughs> wow, you are loyal. I took, <laughs> I took schools like Nevada, Louisville, Kansas State, Wichita State, Arizona, Gonzaga, pretty far into the Sweet 16, and with the exception of Gonzaga, most have, uh, have not fulfilled my expectations. Uh. Uh, but I do have Gonzaga going all the way, so I'll be rooting for the Zags for the rest of the way out, and hopefully... They can pull it out for me. That's funny because I have the Zags going all the way, too, and they're not a partner of ours, but I am based in the Pacific Northwest, and I know Mark Few a little bit, and I really felt like they were going to be like Villanova last year where they knocked on the door for a long time, then they finally got to the Final Four, and then they finally won it, and you know, we'll see if Gonzaga can do that this year. I had Oregon in my Final Four, and yes, I'm based in Oregon, but I'm not a Duck fan, so my bracket's looking pretty good. I'm in first place in the uh, bracket against our listeners, but... Uh, that's cool that uh, you're you stuck with your partners and uh, you know that's that's loyalty there. I know that you work with Vivint Smart Home Arena, which is home to the Utah Jazz, but they also hosted the first two rounds of March Madness. Tell us a little bit more about your work at Vivint Smart Home Arena. Yeah, so Boingo uh, got into a relationship with the Utah Jazz about three years ago as they were embarking on a very ambitious renovation project. It was then called uh, uh, Energy Solutions Arena, now called Vivint Smart Home Arena. 
the project is a $125 million renovation project and includes everything from a really cool new scoreboard, like bezel-less, very slick, slim scoreboard that they installed, uh, to new suites and new entryways, and it's really going to be a cool project. And what they decided very early on in this project was technology has to be the, the, the foundation. So technology has to go first. So in addition to the brand-new scoreboards came the brand-new wireless network. And we built the network. It supports uh, all four wireless carriers, uh, as well as e, uh, uh, public safety for emergency preparedness. So first responders have a network that they can rely on. So the fans can feel safe when they're in the arena. The fans can feel connected when they're in the arena. And the Utah Jazz have nothing to worry about as it relates to getting fans online or, or getting fans uh, uh, protecting their safety while they're at the arena. Uh, and the team at Vivint, uh, Jamie Galileo is the guy over there who runs the facility. He's incredible. His team is awesome. Uh, they've done such a great job of, of planning, of organizing, and really uh, I'm excited to see how the project ends up. Our guest is Doug Lauder. He is the Senior Vice President of Business Development for Boingo. You can follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. I know you were just at the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. Anything interesting come out of the show that is relative to the sports space that you heard? You know, some of the big topics in mobile of late have been very uh, relative to sports. Uh, there's a lot of talk of 5G, which will require network upgrades to get faster speeds. So a lot of the networks that have been built in a lot of arenas and stadiums will need to be augmented and upgraded for 5G. Uh, there's a lot of talk of, of just connect, connected devices and connectivity in general. So if you can build it, it can connect to the Internet. Refrigerators, cars, watches, wallets, uh, you name it, dog collars, uh, everything is going to connect somehow and give you better detail, better information about what that device is doing for you and you know, improve the device. So I think the big topic is just how many different things are going to connect over time. And so if you're planning for networks and you're thinking about uh, bandwidth just in general, right now the typical user might walk into an arena or a stadium with one device, maybe two devices. Uh, in the not-too-distant future, I expect that to be closer to four, five, seven devices. Wow. Uh, their watches will connect. Their glasses will connect. Their jeans might connect. Their jackets might connect. <laughs> their jeans? Uh, yeah. Jeans will connect to tell you, uh, give you good information about your body uh, your uh, how many steps you're taking. Under Armour's got a big initiative to tell you, have clothes tell you how how you're sleeping. Right, Tom Brady. Uh, so there's yeah, absolutely. So so there's there's a lot of that, and so I think that's going to be interesting. Uh, I think uh, virtual reality is also going to be pretty big in the sports space. I think if you've tried virtual uh, reality with a sports slant to it, it's pretty incredible to sit half court and just watch the action go by and kind of move your head from side to side as the you know, game is moving past you. Uh, it's pretty incredible, and I expect the sports teams who have gotten really innovative over the past you know, three or five years to figure out really cool and innovative ways to capitalize on all this technology coming in and find new cool ways to engage fans at the games. I have not done VR yet, so I, that's on my list. I need to do that uh, at some point, but everyone I've spoken with who's done it has said it's an incredible experience. It's really incredible. We started to hear about small cells. How is this different from traditional cellular deployments? And I guess what's the future of wireless there? Yeah, so so 
one of the big challenges with these big stadiums is the cost, the cost of building a network inside the arena. And part of the cost is outfitting a giant room to store all of the equipment. So today, the way these networks are built is you build a giant room. It could be anywhere from 500 square feet to 1,200 square feet, uh, and even bigger, I think, at the, at, at the Mercedes-Benz Dome in New Orleans. I think the room is like 5,000 square feet. Wow. And in that room is all the electronics, and you got to get all the electronics into the room. The room's got to be outfitted with fire suppression, HVAC. And then from there, you go out to the rest of the stadium, and you get all the antennas out into the and, – and the transmission out into the arena or stadium. And what you're seeing today is all those electronics are kind of moving to two places. One, they're moving to the cloud, so they're moving them off-site. And two, they're, they're moving to the edge, so they're moving out to where the antennas are. So what small cells are is really just the movement of all the electronics out to the edge. So you don't need that big room. You don't need, you know, HVAC fire suppression, which can sometimes be, you know, a third of the cost of the system. And so as the technology progresses, that's really what is trying to move forward is, is, is get the cost down so that more arenas, more stadiums, more um, buildings in general can afford to have these indoor networks. Interesting. Doug Lauder, the Senior Vice President of Business Development for Boingo, is our guest. So Boingo is based in Los Angeles. A lot of shakeups with teams moving around on the West Coast. The Rams are in L.A. again. The Raiders are headed to Las Vegas. The Clippers are reportedly considering building a new arena, especially with someone like Steve Ballmer as a team owner. What do you think connected stadiums and arenas will look like in the next 10 years? You just gave us a little bit of a preview, but is there anything else that uh, you think – might be in the mix for those glimpses into the future. With you know, I mean, look, the Stan Kroenke's building that huge stadium for the Rams, and the Chargers will ultimately play there. What's that going to look like? Yeah. So what I always draw back to is Staples Center and what Staples Center did for downtown Los Angeles. Right. And before Staples Center, you did not live downtown. As a USC Trojan, I know very well that it you didn't even hood. venture into downtown. Yeah, you, you stayed away from downtown. Right. Uh, you worked downtown, but in the evening you left downtown. Uh, and now downtown is a very popular place to live. And a lot of that is due to the fact that Staples Center drew a lot of um, renovation. It, 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 it just drew a lot of gentrification to the downtown area. And I think that is what has given a lot of these now billionaire business owners who own these teams the idea that it doesn't need to just be an arena. It doesn't need to just be a stadium. The stadium arena can be the centerpiece of a larger real estate investment. And so what Stan Kroenke is doing here in L.A., what they're likely going to do in Las Vegas when the Raiders get there, is you don't take the view of just the stadium and you don't take the view of, of, of just eight home games a year, you look at it and say, all right, if it's only going to be eight home games a year and it's going to cost me $2 billion to build, I'm going to maximize the value of the whole entire piece of property. And rather than lifting up the value of other people's property, I'm going to make sure it lifts up mine as well. And so that requires not just a huge amount of loyalty from your fan base to want to live close to the stadium, shop close to the stadium, eat close to the stadium. You have to drive loyalty. You have to drive engagement. And so the technology model is no longer about trying to connect just during the game. It's really about connecting always and connecting every day, not just game day. And so that's what we're seeing as these you know, really smart businessmen 
owners start thinking about redevelopment, we're seeing them start to think about technology as a foundation very early in the process. Uh, they're, they're thinking about it before the plans are even drawn up. How are we going to use technology? What does that mean? And so when you think about how you're going to use it before you build it, it really helps you design and identify the right solution to build. And so that's what I expect to keep seeing. Uh, I, I know Tim Laiwiki from the Oakview Group had a good comment uh, when he was asked about his prediction for 2017. Late last year, he made that exact same statement. He said he expects these real estate, you know, these mega complexes to keep growing. Uh, you see it in Atlanta where the Braves are playing. So it's, it's, it's certainly exciting. It means the challenge is greater. And for companies like Boingo, the solutions become a lot more complex. Uh, but we're excited about what's happening here in L.A. and around the world. I hear Boingo is nominated for two stadium business awards. Can you talk a little bit about that? And then I know people can still vote for Boingo's stadium award nomination. So let them know how they can do that as well. Yeah. So we're nominated for two stadium business awards. Uh, They recognize leadership, innovation, achievement, um, and and it's a global contest. So we're up against some venues from around the world. Uh, We're nominated for two awards, the Fan Experience Award and the Product Innovation Award. Uh, in both categories, unfortunately, we're up against the Sacramento Kings new arena, the Golden One Center, which is fantastic. If you haven't been there, it's incredible. That's what I've heard. Uh, so not to, yeah, so not to take away from what we've done, uh, but it is uh, going to be an uphill fight for us. But they can go to stadiumbusinessawards.com, stadiumbusinessawards.com. Please vote for Boingo. We're probably going to need all the votes we can get from you. Um, and, Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, I always enjoy seeing you at our Sports Business Radio road shows. I look forward to our next road show. I thank you for your support of our road shows. Those are always fun events and very engaging. And, and I know you've had the opportunity to meet uh, Jeannie Buss and Mike Golub from the Timbers and David Stern last December in New York. So I look forward to our next event, but we wouldn't be able to do them without you. So thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to keep keep being a partner and uh, keep those tweets coming. I like following you and seeing all the adventures that you're up to on Twitter. Thank you very much. Doug Lauder, the Senior Vice President of Business Development for Boingo. Follow them online at Boingo or you can follow them on Twitter at Boingo. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. Sports Business Radio is sponsored by Boingo Wireless, the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. Research shows that fans will leave at halftime if they cannot get connected, which is part of the reason why professional and collegiate sports venues alike work with Boingo to manage their wireless networks. As the world's leading connectivity expert, Boingo knows how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. They are the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless service so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Boingo designs, installs, and manages Wi-Fi and cellular networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Soldier Field, Phillips Arena, and Vivint Smart Home Arena. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports, led by companies like Boingo. Boingo connects you to the people and things you love, like sports. For more information, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. 
We're back to wrap up this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks to Doug Lauder from Boingo. Enjoy our partnership with them. Great information from him. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. Thanks to our friends at Tagboard for providing the social media visualizations for the Sports Business Radio Roadshow events. Follow them online at tagboard.com or on Twitter at Tagboard. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. We're rated in the top 100 business news podcasts. You can also find us at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're on Audio Boom, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher apps as well. Follow me on Twitter. At SB Radio, our Twitter feed was named to the top 50 sports business must-follows on Twitter by Forbes.com for 2014, 2015, and 2016. We're on Instagram as well, at Sports Business Radio. Give us a follow on Instagram, at Sports Business Radio. A reminder, the Sports PR Summit is coming up in New York on May 23rd. NCAA Executive Director Oliver Luck father of Andrew, ESPN features reporter Tom Rinaldi. They're going to sit down for featured conversations at the event. We've also got uh, great athletes coming in, including Malcolm Jenkins of the Philadelphia Eagles, Anquan Bolden of the Detroit Lions, uh, Carolyn Joyce, our friend who's the Olympic swimmer. We've got the director of PR from the Pittsburgh Steelers. It is a 125-person invite-only event at the Players' Tribune, which is a fantastic venue in New York, overlooking Chelsea Pier. Um, if you want to register, if you're a senior PR person, if you're a senior social media person, go to sportsprsummit.com. We're running out of room. We've sold out every year, but we've got some spots left. So reserve yours at sportsprsummit.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. So baby, pull me closer in the of your Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, uh, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio.